0: what's up guys welcome to our 11th edition of the off the bench podcast this is your host as always sean crowell and uh yeah i just want to thank you guys for tuning in today um i have an exciting episode for you guys today i took last week off just because i finally got it out like last friday my last pod that is. And, um, you know, it's a quick turnaround from week to week, especially I I know I'm just making excuses. Okay. And I hate excuses. I hate to be this guy, but ever since I started working full time again, it's been tough to get out a solid product for you guys. Something that I'm proud of something that I want to show off to you guys. So that's why I didn't put one out last week. I didn't feel like I was in a good position to put out a good podcast but uh, yeah, guys, I've kind of settled on things. I've been taking in the news. I've been watching some games. And uh, I'm excited for this episode. I have a good one for you guys. I've been thinking a lot about some of these, some of these segments for the past few weeks. And um, yeah, I finally put put them together here for you guys. So I wanted to get one out before Thanksgiving, before the uh, little four-day holiday, give you guys something to to listen to on your road trip on your, uh, your travels on the way to see your family or whatever it is, the situation that you're going into. But, uh, yeah, guys, I'm excited. I got a good one here for you today. So, uh, stick around. Do you guys know how a great championship team becomes a great championship level dynasty? There's a few things in particular in the way it happens, but it reminds me personally a lot of what makes the difference between a great book and a great book series, a great movie and a great movie series. And guys, the Lakers have put themselves in position to not just be a great championship team with this 2020 title, They've put themselves in position to become a great championship dynasty level team in the coming years. Obviously, you have to win multiple, but they've put themselves in a position to do that, and I believe that they will. Okay, guys, and it's a lot, it's a lot like how you turn a great book into a great book series, and not everybody can do this. Okay, there's lots of great movies, there's lots of great books, but how many great series are there? How many great movie series are there? Similar with championship teams, guys, there's been a lot of great championship teams, and they try to just run it back. Just same group, oh, they were good enough to win the championship this year. The following year with that same group, they're going to be good enough to win a championship the next season. But that's not the case. Okay, we see lots of championship teams, but very few championship level dynasties okay guys i'm gonna i'm I'm a big Harry Potter fan myself okay uh, that might be nerdy, childish, dumb, whatever okay, but I'm a big Harry Potter fan, also a big Star wars fan, okay, and I'm gonna use those two examples here with us today. Great book series do something special in particular. they introduce their core group in the first book, and movies do this movie series do this, they introduce their group of core characters in the first movie. But then you can't just run it back with the same characters, the same exact setup, the same characters, and just do another adventure. It doesn't work as well. Okay, so what Harry Potter did, J.K. Rowling did something really special. So she introduces her main group of characters, Harry, Ron, Hermione, you know, the teachers, all all of them. But then she did something special. She said, let's not just run it back with those same characters for Harry Potter number two. I mean, Harry Potter number one is probably the best-selling book of all time. I don't know. I might have just pulled that out of my butt, but it's up there. Okay, but she said, I want to make a great series. So what did she do? She introduced new characters into the mix. Okay, Harry Potter Chamber of Secrets has a bunch of new characters in it. Okay, it's got Dobby, it's got Lucius Malfoy... Tom Riddle, uh, Jenny Weasley, bunch of new characters. Okay. And then she does it again in book three and she just continues to build and build off of it. Okay. And then in book three, all of a sudden we meet Lupin, we meet Sirius Black, we meet Peter Pettigrew, a bunch of other people too. Okay. So she builds and builds and she introduces this new group of characters while still developing the old characters that we know and love. But she's not just going to run it back with the same group of characters. Okay, that's only going to work for so long. We're going to get tired of that group. We want to see new, new, new. Okay, that's what makes a great book series. And she does this all the way throughout until book seven. Book six and book seven still are introducing new characters. Okay, and Star Wars does this too, guys. I, I Just stick with me for the analogy. Okay, Star Wars does this too. The original trilogy, one of the most classic, most iconic movies of all time, okay, Star Wars A New Hope. But they don't just run it back in Empire Strikes Back with the same group of characters, okay? They introduce new ones. And this is what makes Star Wars a great original uh, series. This is what makes it a great trilogy, okay? Star Wars adds in uh, the second one, Empire Strikes Back, they add Lando, they add Yoda, they add Boba Fett. Okay, so they they continue to build. They keep the same, they keep Han, they keep Luke, uh, you know, they keep the old man Obi-Wan, they keep uh, you know, Princess Leia. They keep all those people. You need to keep you need to keep your core, okay? Because that's in essence what Star Wars is. That's in essence what Harry Potter is. It's your core. So you need to keep that group, but you still need to build upon that with new characters so that the viewer that the reader just doesn't get tired so that other things can't catch up with you okay and that's what they do they introduce those new people then in uh what is it return of the jedi they introduce more they introduce more okay so you meet job of the hut then uh you meet you know the furry little uh what are they called the teddy bears i can't remember their name and then you meet um darth sidious you met him in the fifth one or in the second episode but um he's really developed, okay, so you meet him even more in the in the uh, episode number six, okay, so you guys you guys get what I'm saying here. you can't just run it back with your core, okay that's gonna get boring, it's gonna get old. We need to add new while still developing the core. That whole idea is you didn't actually get worse if you didn't get better, but everybody else around you is getting better, so essentially you are getting worse. Because your lead has shrunken on the competition. So the Lakers, they won the title. They're the best team in the league, I believe, by a decent margin. And they could just run it back with their crew that they have. But they just decided, we're not going to do that. We are going to build and get better and better. Because if you're not getting better, if you are staying the same, then you are getting worse. Because every other team in the league, guys, the Heat... The Nuggets, the Clippers, uh, soon-to-be Brooklyn, Milwaukee, they're all looking at the Lakers 2020 championship team, and they're saying, let's aim for that. Let's get there. And some of them may do that. And so then you have a case where the Lakers are no longer the best team. They're tied for the best team, or maybe another team gets better. But what you have is the Lakers are attempting to get better than they were last year. So all these teams are looking and aiming for the 2020 Lakers and saying, we want to be as good as them. And heck, some of them might get there. Guys, there's some really good teams in the NBA. Some of them might be as good as the 2020 Lakers this coming basketball season. But the Lakers themselves are looking at themselves, the 2020 Lakers, and they're saying the 2021 Lakers need to be even better. Because teams are going to catch up with you, guys. If you're not getting better, if you're staying the same, then you're getting worse. And that's what the Lakers are doing. They're trying to get better and better by adding these new pieces. They don't want to just be one singular title team. They want to be a dynasty of an organization. They don't want to just be Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone. They don't want to just be uh, Star Wars A New Hope a great singular movie, a great singular book, they want to be the Harry Potter series, the Star Wars trilogy. They want to become a dynasty. They want to become great. So if you look at what they've done, they've gotten better in almost every single way, in my opinion. Okay, Danny Green, uh, he's getting a little bit older. Uh, His threes weren't as great in the bubble as you would think they would be. And so they replaced him. They said, we're going to go get Wesley Matthews. He does essentially the same thing. He's a three and D guy. Um, I don't know if he shoots the three better necessarily, but he does shoot the three well. And he's a younger guy, a little bit younger, I would say, than Danny Green. So he's going to be a better defender than Danny Green. Okay, he's going to be better than Danny Green was last year, in my opinion. Okay, so they just got better there. They just made one singular swap and got better. And guys, this is this is a lot like what the Lakers are doing right now with their team. They're saying, we don't want to just be a championship-level team, okay? And that, that's what Star, Star Wars could have been that. They could have released A New Hope. It's a classic, iconic movie. They could have just left it at that. And, uh, you know, it's a great American movie of our pastime, Star Wars A New Hope. But now... We have this entire Star Wars universe, and it's expanded. It's become an empire. It's become something amazing, something larger than life. Okay, and the Lakers, they could have just done that. They could have said, we won a title 2019-2020. We're, we're calling it good. We're good. We, we're a championship team. We don't need to be a dynasty. Okay, Harry Potter could have also been this. I mean, you can tell from uh, Sorcerer's Stone that, that it's a series. But it's definitely a great standalone uh, child's film, child's book on its own, okay? Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone could have just been a great singular book. It would have been amazing, outstanding. But it wanted to build, it wanted to be a series. And that's what the Lakers are trying to do. They're trying to build upon one championship and become a dynasty, a team that can compete for titles for years and years and years to come. Okay, and I believe that is what they are doing with the addition of new characters, so to speak, new players on their team. And in my opinion, it is going to work uh, outstandingly. They've improved so much. Guys, have you ever heard the saying, "It, it happens in sports a lot. If you didn't get better, you got worse. Okay, they picked up Marc Gasol. Who used to be an all-star caliber center, probably not an all-star caliber center anymore, but still really good. Okay, he's going to add such great depth to their second team. He could probably start, honestly, if AD went to the four. They added um, Montrezl Harrell, sixth man of the year. They took him from the Clippers, so not only did they get better, but the Clippers got worse. Okay, and they added him to their team. Dwight so Howard said, I'm going to skip town. I want a bigger contract. Lakers aren't paying me good enough. And so they said, okay, we'll just replace you with somebody literally who's better. And they picked up the sixth man of the year. Montrez Harrell. Guys, he's he's like one of those tough dudes. He's like the bouncer in the club. Okay, and he's a great defender. He's um, going to give you a ton of energy. Great rebounder. He, he's going to be huge for them. Okay, they add Dennis Schroeder. He could have also been the sixth man of the year, but Montrezl Harrell won it. So that's the type of player that he is. A really nice shooting guard, gives you 18 points off the bench. He can run your second unit. Guys, their second unit is going to be phenomenal. It used to be that they would have to kind of like trade off uh, Davis and LeBron one of them would have to go out while the other stayed in because otherwise they couldn't function as well offensively. They couldn't put points on the board consistently. But now they're going to be able to, okay? They can go ahead and sit AD now. They can go ahead and sit LeBron at the same time, and they can leave Dennis Schroeder out on the floor with Montrezl Harrell and uh, with Gasol, have Kuz on the wing, and they can score some points. They can play hard defensively. Guys, this team is going to be really, really good. And guys, this is what you have to do if you want to be a dynasty-level team, a dynasty-level organization. You can't just run it back with the same crew. Okay, you have to add pieces, continually add pieces to your squad to get better and better and better. Just piece by piece by piece. Guys, and this is what the Lakers have done. They've had an amazing offseason so far. Top tier free agency. Okay, that's who this team is right now. It's, it's huge. It's honestly huge. And they're setting themselves up for a dynasty, a Star Wars-like dynasty. A Harry Potter-like dynasty. Alright guys, for this segment, I wanted to try something a little bit different. I wanted to be uh, creative in what I give you guys. Um, I'm proposing some rule changes to the NFL game that I think we could implement and it would make the NFL season and the NFL games specifically a lot better. Okay, and I got four of them. I'm going to get started here. The first rule change that I propose is not something that you're going to see every single year, probably not even every other year. Just every once in a while, you're going to see this. And I think that it would be a huge, huge difference. Okay, and that is, if your division winner has fewer wins than the wild card team that they match up against in the postseason, then the wild card team should get the home game. Okay, guys, and I, I want that to happen specifically to prevent teams like the NFC East this season from getting a home playoff game. Okay guys, so what we see in the NFC East this year, we have the 3-6 and 1 Eagles who are leading their division. And everybody else is tied for second place. The Cowboys are 3 and 7. The Washington football team, they're 3 and 7. And then the New York Fightin' Joe Judges. They are also three and seven. Okay, now if if the season were to end today, the Eagles would be in the postseason and they would host a playoff game. Guys, they've played ten games and they have won three of them. And they would host a playoff game. Right now, if the season ended today, they would host the seven and three Seattle Seahawks. Okay, the Seahawks are second in their division right now behind the Rams who are also 7 and 3. And so the Seahawks would be the 5th seed and they would have to go on the road and go play the Philadelphia Eagles who have won 3 out of 10 games. That just simply does not make any sense. Okay, so that's my that's my new rule. Okay, that I want to see put into place. If your wildcard team has more wins than your division team, then the wild card team should get the home playoff game. And guys, you have to earn a home playoff game. You have to win your division. Guys, winning divisions is hard. There's four teams, there's four well-run teams, theoretically, in your division, and you have to beat them. You have to beat them all to host a playoff game. Guys, teams were so hard to host a playoff game. It's what everybody's fighting against. When you talk about making the playoffs, when you talk about making a playoff run, being a Super Bowl contending team, the first thing that you talk about is taking care of business in your division so you can host at least one playoff game. And guys, that's just, that's what's crazy to me. It's just insane. Okay, so that's my first rule change. And we've seen this in the past, okay? Um, the eight and eight Chargers. I think it was in like, oh man, I don't know, twenty eleven, twenty twelve. The eight and eight Chargers hosted the Indianapolis Colts, one of Peyton Manning's teams, and the Chargers won, partly because they were at home. Okay, we saw this in you know 2011, 2010, maybe with the Seattle Seahawks. They were seven and nine, and they got to host. The defending Super Bowl champs, the Saints went in there and the Saints lost, partly because they had to play Seattle at home. Okay, that's just insane. It should not happen that way. I understand they don't want to restructure divisions, restructure the playoff race, the playoff rules. That's fine. That's fine. But at least give the wild card team with more wins the home playoff game. Okay, if they're tied for wins, then definitely division winner gets it. But if wildcard team has more wins, give them the home playoff game. Okay, guys, there's been a lot of talk about the NFL adding a 17th game to their regular season. I'll be the first to say that's a bad idea. They should not do that. I think that we're stretching players' health to the limits here. And playing a 16-game season is just outrageous. And then the good teams have to keep playing. So it's like they play four preseason games, and they have two weeks of camp before that. So they all have 20 games. Now, granted, the starters don't play in all of them and all that, but you stay with me here. Okay, they have 20 games. And then they keep... If you keep winning, if you're a good team, you make the postseason... And you played 21, 22, 23 games. But nonetheless, my rule change is proposed if they do add a 17th game. Okay, guys, so if they add a 17th game to the schedule, here's how they need to make that schedule. So I'm personally a fan of the NFL schedule. I like the way they do it. Okay, it gives teams... It helps cycle teams, so you don't just have dominant teams every single year. And they do that by playing two games of their schedule against other similar finishing teams as last year. And and I'll explain that further in just a moment. So the NFL schedule, I'm just going to use the Seahawks for example. So each team plays their division twice, six games from their division, and then they have four from that. So we're at 10 games now. And then they get another four games that they play. They play an entire other division from the opposite conference. So the Seahawks are in the NFC. So they'll play an entire division from the AFC. This year, it's the AFC East. And that's four more games from that whole other division. So you're at 14 games. And this is where I really like what they do. Okay, I just mentioned it a moment ago where they add the two games who finish in a similar place. So what they do is they take your finish in your division from last season. So the Seahawks finished in second place last year in the NFC West. So what they do is they take the other two divisions in the same conference who they don't play, and they play those second-place teams. Okay, and I know that sounds confusing, but they played the entire NFC East. Okay, so get rid of the NFC East. They played them already. So the Seahawks are going to play the second place finishing team from the NFC North and the NFC South. So for instance, the NFC North's second place finishing team was the Vikings. So the Seahawks played the Vikings because they also finished in second place. And then the Seahawks' first game of the season played the Atlanta Falcons. Okay, the Falcons also finished second place in the AFC South. So what you have is you have first-place teams playing two games against other first-place teams, and this gives you a chance to get better and to get worse, okay? That's why we see new teams in the playoffs every single season, okay? And so teams who finish in last place, they get to play two other teams who also finished in last place. That gives them an advantage. That way, if you're an up-and-coming team who was bad, it gives you a chance to Um, beat a couple more teams who are bad, and it gives you a chance to go from worst to first in theory if you're really on the come up. An example of that is the Miami Dolphins. Okay, they were really bad last year. They finished in last place. So now they play two games against other last place AFC teams. That gives them a chance to be even better than they already were. because they're already improving. With the 17th game, I want say, a first place team from an NFC division to play another first place team from an AFC division. What we see is matchups like Russell Wilson versus Patrick Mahomes. We only see that once every four years. Guys, that's a problem because those are two of the best players in the league and they're not going to play even close to every single year. They're going to play every four years unless they meet in the Super Bowl. I'm proposing they change that. The Seahawks finished second place in the NFC last season. So the Seahawks should play a second place finishing team from an AFC division, just say the AFC West, for example. And that's going to do two things. It's going to give you a stellar matchup because you're going to get first place teams like the Chiefs playing first place teams like the Packers or New Orleans or... Uh, the 49ers or the Seahawks or whoever it is. Okay, that's going to be amazing for the viewer. Okay, so that's what we want to see. That's what it's going to do. It's going to create amazing matchups. And it's also going to give you a chance to go from worst to first. Right now, teams play two games against other first-place teams, other last-place teams, whatever it is. Now it gives them a chance to play three games Versus other first place teams, last place teams, so to speak. My third rule change that I'm proposing is a change to the overtime rules. Okay, guys, in the NFL, it's it's okay, but it's not great. And college is a little bit better. Football is a weird sport, guys, because it's not really a sport that's conducive to a quality overtime. So we have to be creative and do what we can. I'm proposing that they change the rules to the college rules, but they make a A few slight changes. Okay, I think that college starts at the 25 in overtime. The NFL needs to change it to start at the 35. Okay, so you start at the 35 and you just play it like normal. And each team gets a chance to touch the ball. Because what we don't want is we don't want the best player on the other team never getting a chance to touch the ball. We saw this in the 2018 AFC Championship game. Okay, the Patriots ended up beating the Chiefs in overtime. Patrick Mahomes is the best player on the field, and he never got a chance to touch the ball. Okay, we've seen this in Aaron Rodgers' career. Aaron Rodgers has not touched the ball five times in overtime in his career. That's awful. Okay, we need our best players to touch the ball, and this is going to help. So they need to change it to college rules. They need to push it back to the 35-yard line. Okay, so the first round, you can do anything you want. You can kick a field goal. Uh, you, If you score a touchdown, just go for the extra point, do whatever. The second overtime is where I propose they need to make a change. If it's still tied after the second overtime, I understand that we're looking out for players' health at this point. They've been playing for over 60 minutes. And that's when you start to stretch yourself thin. So we want player safety to be a priority. So this is where you start adding some hurdles in there. In this overtime, field goals are not an option, okay? In the second overtime that you play, you cannot kick field goals. And so what you have to do, you have to go for it on fourth down. And then if you do score, you have to go for two. Okay, that's the that's the rule for the second overtime no field goals and you have to go for two. This is going to separate teams. Okay, teams who are slightly better in some way, this is going to separate them and this is going to produce a winner in the game. No more ties. Okay, ties are horrible. Makes no sense. So this is what they should do. That is what I propose is that they change it to the 35-yard line. They keep the college rules First overtime, you can do anything you want. If it's still tied and it goes into a second overtime, then you cannot kick a field goals, forcing teams to go for it on fourth down. And you have to go for two if you score a touchdown. Okay, guys, and my fourth rule change that they need to implement is the catch rule. Now, guys, I'm not somebody... I don't like to complain, especially when I don't have a better solution. Okay, now, if you want to complain about something and you have... A great solution to fix it, then that's great. Complain all you want and then fix it. But what I don't want and I don't like is people complaining about something that they can't come up with a better solution for. Okay, so oh, I'm going to be um, my pet peeve here and I'm going to complain about something that I don't have a solution for and that's the catch rule because I don't know what they need to do for the catch rule. Okay, but it's clear that this is still haunting the league. The catch rule makes no sense. It's extremely inconsistent. And it's because what you have is you have these guys who literally catch the ball with their hands, but they don't make a football move or they catch the ball with their hands and it's secure in their hands for a split second and then they get it jarred out. And then we're going, oh, but he only had it for a split second. Guys, I don't know. I don't know what our solution is. But it's clear that the NFL has been plagued by the catch rule for years and years now. Okay, and it's crazy because you have a guy like Des Bryant in the 2016 NFL playoffs who caught the ball, maybe 2015, I can't remember. But he didn't secure the ball through the entire process of falling down, so it's ruled a no catch. It just doesn't it doesn't make sense. Okay, guys, it's a bad rule. It's stupid and they need to figure something out. And I hate to be this guy because I don't have a great solution. I don't know what they need to do. But they need to do something. Because it's plaguing the NFL. They need to figure out what is a catch and what is not a catch. Yeah, guys, it really just seems like we are hurtling towards... Um, an amazing AFC championship matchup in this coming NFL playoffs between the Kansas City Chiefs and the Pittsburgh Steelers. And guys, I'm I'm so excited to see that happen, and I, I really do hope it happens. I think it's very likely that it will happen. Um, as of now, Pittsburgh would get the bye, which I really do think would make it more likely to happen because I think the Chiefs are a better team. So I think that they are more likely to be able to um, win their first two games before they end up playing for the conference championship game. And I think Pittsburgh is is really darn good, don't get me wrong, but I think that the Chiefs have a better chance to win in the wild card round and then the divisional round than uh, Pittsburgh would in that same situation. So as of now. We are really in store for this matchup and because I'm so excited for that one just because I think both teams are rock solid, really, really solid teams, but I think that both teams have an elite unit on each of their squads, and it just so happens that those elite units are going to go head-to-head, and what I'm referring to is the Chiefs' offense, which is elite, and then their defense is competent, and then... Pittsburgh has an elite defense and then their offense is competent. I might I might even say that Pittsburgh's offense and the Chiefs' defense are more than competent. They're they're good for sure. They're definitely not special but they're good. But the units that are elite are going to go head to head in that potential ball game and that is undoubtedly the Chiefs' offense versus the uh, Steelers defense. And guys, I'm I'm going to give the edge in that game to the Chiefs just because they simply look like the best team in football. They have probably the best quarterback in football even though I hate to say it cuz I'm a Russell Wilson fan, but Pat Mahomes is is the best there is right now. And then they have, you know, the Andy Reid factor with him calling plays and in my opinion, he's the best play caller in the business. Uh, they have those elite weapons with Hill and you know Hardman and then Watkins. Then they have Kelsey and their O line's pretty good and they have those two backs that are good. And it's just this offense is just completely loaded. And so I'll give the slight edge to them, but at the same time, the Pittsburgh defense is also elite. And who we see on this Pittsburgh defense is we have Minka in the in the back and Minka is just. A turnover machine, honestly. He's playing probably the best probably the best football um, out of any secondary player in the NFL right now. I know we got guys like Jalen Ramsey out there, and we got some other guys that are playing elite too. But as far as the secondary goes, I don't know if anybody's just making plays and creating turnovers quite like Mika Fitzpatrick. And then their front four is just absolutely elite. And guys, this is going to be the key to that game between the Chiefs and the Steelers is any quarterback's weakness, any quarterback at all, you name the best in history, their weakness is a front four who can consistently get solid pressure just with the four of them. And guys, that's what the Steelers have. And so that's why I think that this matchup is going to be so good is because You really can't match up with Mahomes and the Chiefs offense if you don't have a solid front four that can create pressure, because you can sit back there in zone, and you know he's going to have a clean pocket, and he'll pick you apart, and he's good enough at this point in his career, where if you blitz him, you send five or six guys at him, he's going to find the open man, and he's going to burn you on the hot route that way. So the only way to compete with these guys, Patrick Mahomes, Aaron Rodgers, Russell Wilson... Tom Brady, Peyton Manning, you name them best quarterbacks in the history of the game. The only way that you can truly shut these guys down or attempt to shut these guys down is with an elite front four that can bring pressure so that 's why I think that this matchup is going to be really special and again guys i'd give i 'd give the matchup uh, you know a hair a hair of an advantage to to the chiefs just because they 're Super Bowl champs they look like the best team in the league. Their offensive weapons, in my opinion, are slightly more elite than the Steelers' defensive weapons. But guys, I can't wait for that one. Um, I truly hope that the game is you know tied or close going into the you know late in the fourth quarter, and we see that matchup right there, guys. And again, the the Steelers' offense is they're good. You know they're not special and they're not just average. They're they're good. And then the Chiefs' defense, in my opinion. Is definitely not special, and they're probably closer to average. But they can definitely compete, and they, they can give it their best shot. But guys, I, I don't really want to see that matchup all that much. That's not very enticing to me. You know, you got playmakers on both sides. I guess you got, you know, Chris Jones, and then you got the Honey Badger, and then you got, you know, you got Claypole, and uh, who is it, Smith Schuster, and then you know you got some guys on on both both of those units. But the matchup to watch is most definitely the Chiefs' offense versus the Steelers' defense. And and guys, one way, I I touched on their pass rush that they have over there in Pittsburgh, which is elite. They're they're the best of the best. The way that Kansas City is going to be able to slow that down is with their running game. And guys, they have a stellar running game as of now. Everybody just thinks that the Chiefs are just, you know, run and gun. Uh, slinging it around the entire field with Mahomes, and that's partly what they are. Like, they can definitely do that. They can win just about any way, so they can win that way. But really, what they've been as of late is a team who is more willing to run the Rock and uh have have Mahomes not throw it quite as much. They're just asking Mahomes to be special, you know, two, three, four times a game instead of asking him to be special ten times a game, which obviously is gonna suit them. And they've been running the ball well, guys. Uh, I I anticipate that they're going to be able to run the ball well against any team, including Pittsburgh, even with that ferocious front four and that front seven, just because their passing attack is so elite, too. So that's what makes this game so special is, guys, the Steelers can rush the passer and they can also stop the run. So they're good against both. And the Chiefs are also good against both. Uh, good with both, excuse me. So they can rush the ball. They can rush the heck out of the ball with Clyde Edwards, Hilaire, and then Le'Veon Bell. And then they can also pass the rock, of course, with Pat Mahomes, and then you got those, you know, Tyreek Hill and Nicole Hardman and all those guys. So that's a matchup that I'm really, really looking forward to. I hope that we get to see it, and specifically between the Chiefs offense and the Steelers defense, those two elite units. I can't wait to watch those guys go head-to-head. Alright, you guys know what time it is. It's time for the Off The Bench MVP. And guys, this week we got another special one for you. And uh, if you guys happen to catch that Carolina game, uh, they played, who was it, the Lions yesterday. And uh, Carolina was actually like a three-point underdog in that game, and they ended up just routing the Titans. It was 20-0. to um, if you saw that game at all or highlights or anything, then you were able to get a good look at P.J. Walker. And uh, P.J. Walker's our off-the-bench MVP for this week. He started in place for Teddy Bridgewater for Carolina this week, and he ended up throwing down a decent stat line here. He did have two interceptions on the day, which ultimately was you know his, his couple of blemishes there in the game. But he ended up completing 70% of his balls, threw it 34 times, uh, had 250 yards through a touchdown had a number of beautiful thrown beautifully thrown footballs down the field uh, fairly accurate like i said completing 34% of his or excuse me 70% of his throws so i mean heck of a day for pj walker and uh you know with with teddy bridgewater being out i think walker has a chance here to earn a second contract in the nfl and uh, this one's going to be two years. He's in the first of his two-year deal here with Carolina. And uh, obviously, he's on the cheap, just a backup QB. He played in the XFL last season and went 5-0 and in the XFL before they ended up having to throw their season out the window with Corona and stuff. But he looked really impressive. Um, yeah, guys, he went to Temple, and he played for none other than Matt Rule, who ironically matt rule picked him up to play for the carolina panthers and to be his backup so matt rule very familiar with pj walker recruited him to temple he was an amazing underrated quarterback for for temple there for the owls i believe they are and uh, had a heck of a career there started like all four years um Actually, it was like halfway through his freshman year that he finally got to start, but put together a nice freshman campaign, kind of had a little sophomore slump, and then he finished really strong his junior and senior season. He ended up kind of being on and off the Colts practice squad in uh, 2018, and it was no good, and uh, yeah, he ended up getting cut. Finally, he went to the XFL. (laughs) And uh, guys, I really wish we got to see this, but the Pittsburgh Steelers tried to pick him up when the Steelers had all of their injuries last season with Ben going down and they were finally on Duck Hodges or whatever his name was. And they tried to pick up PJ Walker from the XFL, but he was under contract, so he couldn't end up going and playing for the Steelers, that would have been very intriguing to me, because the Steelers are well run, even with all their quarterback woes last season, they ended up being 9-7, and seven, so they were above 500 team, and that was their down season, so that would have been interesting to see P.J. Walker fill in there, but guys, with Teddy being out, P.J.'s now got a shot to, um, you know, maybe maybe make a little bit of noise here, earn another contract, and guys, it's not about all being, you know, blowing the world away and, and becoming this amazing starter all the time, okay? He's got a chance to make some really, really good money here. Um, if he just plays decent for these games while Bridgewater is out, and he's able to earn another contract in the NFL, maybe become, um, you know, a, a journeyman of a of a backup QB and earn a living that way, guys... Obviously, backups aren't making those starting QB money, but they're making like a million bucks a year or something like that. And, uh, let's be honest about that. That's huge cash. So, PJ Walker might be able to make his way into a nice living here as a backup QB. And if he, if he continues to play really well, then he could earn a starting job somewhere. I'm excited to keep watching PJ Walker. I'm not exactly sure what Teddy Bridgewater's injury status is, if he's coming back for next week or not. But I, I'm very intrigued, actually, to see uh, to see what it's like to see if PJ ends up getting more time, any more starts here. Because, like I said, he had a decent stat line. He looked pretty good. He looks mobile, guys, like your new age style quarterback. He can move. He, you know, it looks like he threw in a couple nice deep balls completed 70 percent of his throws so very accurate yeah it's just unfortunate that he was uh picked off twice in that game but nonetheless guys pj walker is your off the bench mvp he ended up having a heck of a game and uh he's on his way to earning a second contract in this league so that's really exciting for him all right guys pj walker everybody off the bench mvp All right, guys, we have reached the end of the 11th Off the Bench podcast here today. I want to thank you guys so much for listening, for just tuning in, sticking with me until the end, guys. I really appreciate it. Uh, Make sure to DM me if you guys have any questions. Text me, call me, DM me, whatever it is. If you guys have questions, if you guys have thoughts about the pod, I'm always trying to think of new ideas, new segments that I could put out on here. So if you guys want to give me one... I would more than appreciate that, guys. If you guys have specific topics that you want me to talk on, okay, I've had one or two already in this show, and I would love to have more, guys. Definitely DM me, call me, text me if you guys have different ideas. Tell me what you think about the pod. If you guys really enjoy it, I would really appreciate a retweet, a repost, whatever it is, guys. That would be awesome. But uh, other than that, guys, I really appreciate you guys sticking with me. I think it's been a good one here today, and... uh, Yeah, that's all I got for you. So you guys have a good one, all right?